Hi, it's Jamie, progressive number one, number two employee. Leave a message at the... Hey, Jamie, it's me, Jamie. This is your daily pep talk. I know it's been rough going ever since people found out about your acapella group, Mad Harmony, but you will bounce back. I mean, you're the guy always helping people find coverage options with the Name Your Price tool. It should be you giving me the pep talk. Now get out there, hit that high note, and take Mad Harmony all the way to nationals this year! Sorry, this is pitchy. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. You are Locked On Packers, your daily podcast on the Green Bay Packers. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. And you are Locked On Packers. Hello, this is Bill Huber, the publisher of PackerReport.com, part of the Scout.com network, which brings you some of the best NFL and college football coverage that you will find anywhere. Thank you for listening, first of all, and making the Locked On Podcast Network the fastest growing podcast network in the world. And if you like what you're listening to, you can subscribe to this podcast via iTunes and Android app. And please tell your friends about our little podcast here. I am the only Packers beat writer with a daily podcast. You can catch me here every Monday through Friday. And of course, check out my work over at PackerReport.com. And what a night last night. I mean, what else can you say? I'm not a political analyst, and like so many of my, my fellow sports writers, I will keep my political feelings to myself. I figure you follow me on Twitter and you come to this podcast to, to get away from politics. But let me just say this. The people are mad, and there's a parallel there. You know, look at, look, you know, there's so many Packer fans want, are, want Mike McCarthy and Ted Thompson fired over the direction of the team. And, and I mean, I just get it on Twitter and I get into my fan forums over at Pack Report. And you know, maybe you're one of those people too, or maybe you've got diehard Packer fans who are just furious at Mike McCarthy and Ted Thompson and, and they want change. And I guess that's the political landscape as well. I mean, let I me mean, look at the primaries where you got Donald Trump and Ted Cruz, a couple of anti establishment guys who their, their, their party doesn't even like those guys. And, and, and they are the. The two horses left at the end of the Republican primary. In the Democrat primary, it's Hillary Clinton against a, a socialist. Ted, I mean, people loved Bernie Sanders. I don't think it had anything to do with his political leanings. I mean, he, the, but he wasn't Hillary Clinton. And I guess, why did Donald Trump win? Because he's not Hillary Clinton. I don't know. It's it's an interesting, interesting, interesting dynamic that's going on in this country, in this world. And, you know, one other thing that we learned on a, on a more humorous note there really is a profession that is less accurate with its predictions than meteorologists because the pollsters obviously got this dead wrong. All right, enough of that. I do know football, at least somewhat I know football. So let's talk football, hey? Since it's the midpoint of the season, I thought I'd do something along the lines of midterm progress reports. So that will be second, third, and fourth downs. But first, it's first down, and I want to pick up on yesterday's hot seat theme. Yesterday, I spoke at length about Mike McCarthy being on the hot seat with the 4-4 four and four start, uh, three losses in the last four games, the 8-10 and 10 record over the last 18 regular season games, the 9-11, and 11, if you include the playoffs in, in, that, in that stretch. And I kind of just barely touched on it and realized how, how long I was going, so I cut myself off. But a lot of this has to go on Ted Thompson, right? I mean, I... I wrote a very long piece last night for PackReport.com for my members, so I'm not going to go too far into depth of what I wrote there. If you if you want to read it, please do. And it's, it wasn't a, it wasn't a knee jerk reaction sort of piece. It was a I've been sitting on this for three weeks kind of piece, and it's it's time to get it out. You can criticize Mike McCarthy all you want, and you know ultimately you could be right. If you think Mike McCarthy should be fired, maybe, maybe you're right. I don't know, but here's what I do know is Ted Thompson has tied the hands 
of this coaching staff. Mike McCarthy can't run an offense. You can't run an offense if you can't run the football. There is no element of unpredictability. I mean, you know you're gonna, you you know they're gonna throw it. So so the, all, basically, your most of your run package is out the window, and now your play action passing game is out the window because I mean, well, you know, you can't do a play action fake, right? The defense is gonna gonna laugh at that while trying to sack Rodgers. So Ted Thompson's lack of move at running back it has to be. I hate to even say partially to blame. It could be a big part of, of the blame for his unwillingness to give any depth behind or provide any depth after the late the injuries to Eddie Lacy and James Starks. We all know that that Joyke Bell worked out for the Packers yesterday. He didn't sign. I, I talked to somebody and said, yeah, he's gone home. So clearly, if, you go, if, you, if you've gone home, you're not signing with the football team. They, they'd have wanted you here for, for meetings today and in practice um, later today. So he's gone home. They're, the Calvary's not in the way. And that's the Calvary is, is James Starks coming back from that knee surgery. And he, he hardly practiced at all last week in front of us. I'm not sure if he can go through a full week of practice this week to play this week, or if he's another week away, we'll get a better feel of that. If you're talking to Mike McCarthy later today and, and watching practice today and, and, and Thursday, especially of what James Starks can do. But I mean, this Ultimately, I think goes on Thompson, and you know I understand why he doesn't make knee-jerk reaction transactions, and I and I totally get the not playing in free agency stuff. But this is a small potatoes move signing a running back who's played. Ty Montgomery, as I wrote in the thing, he is a hell of a player, and and he should be a future part of this offense, and they should find all sorts of ways to get him the ball. And he should definitely line up at running back because it creates mismatches. But he can't be your running back. He can't be the number one guy. And I get that with James Starks back at some point. He's not going to be the guy. But but by going down this road, he's just killed this offense. And it's no different on defense. Where is the Why can't he bring in a cornerback? And now I, I've gone over the list. The, the, the list of available cornerbacks is bad. So I get that. And again, like, like I said, there, there's, if, you're, if you are an unemployed football player at this point of the year... There's a reason why you are an unemployed football player, but to, but when Demarius without Sam Shields, Demarius Randall, and Quentin Rollins, it's too many next men up. Nobody has that much depth. I mean, the Packers a few years ago could have absorbed all these injuries at corner because they, you know, they had all sort. I mean, they had all sorts of depth. I mean, at one point, Devon House is the number four corner. He couldn't even get on the field, and and last year they had the rookies here, and they had Devon House, and they had Casey Hayward. I mean, they they had. Honest to goodness, depth. Well, they don't have that now. And McCarthy and not McCarthy, Thompson's expecting. Look, Dom Capers is a blitz first defensive coordinator. Well, you can't blitz if you can't cover anybody. And I'm in. And without Randall and without those three guys, I mean, Gladarius Gunter's played pretty well. You know, Micah Hyde isn't fast enough to play receiver against some of these guys, and we saw that against T.Y. Hilton. Um, on, on Sunday, I mean, I didn't do bad, but, you know, Hilton won that matchup. No, Hyde's hurt as well. I mean, I don't, I don't know the severity of that. And, De, you know, Dimitri Goodson, who's been given opportunities in the past to be a starting corner and couldn't hold on to the job, was asked to be a starting corner after a four-game suspension. It's just it's just unbelievably foolish. And, I so you know, again, it's unfair to have Mike McCarthy run a great offense 
if you can't run the ball. And it's unfair for Dom Capers to run a great defense if he doesn't have cornerbacks. And this is a, a Ted Thompson thing. And if anybody should be in the hot seat here, it should be the general manager of the Green Bay Packers. And he's done a one hell of a job building, not only building a strong team, but keeping a strong team. But what's going on this year is criminal. And it's, you know, they're, they're, seriously, their they're sole hope here is that the rest of the NFC North sucks so much that the Packers can hang in there long enough that they get their guys back and they can if they and they can manage to get in the playoffs and maybe make a run. I mean that is really the one and only hope that uh, <laughs> because Ted Thompson's done nothing to do anything to uh, to contribute to it. All right, on the second down, that'd be the midterm progress report for the offense. Looking at the numbers, Green Bay is 16th in yards, 11th in points. The good of those numbers. Their second league and third down, they were, they were number one for a couple weeks until having really their only bad performance of the year on third down last week against the Colts. The bad, they were 18th in the red zone. The ugly, 29th in yards per passing play. Your best player through eight games? I mean, it has to be left tackle David Bakhtiari, right? I mean, if the, if the offensive line is the best unit on the team, then you should probably pick the best player of that team to be your I don't say MVP, but your best player. And, and, and that would be Bakhtiari. Through eight games, two sacks, two penalties, according to stats. Last year, five sacks and 11 penalties. So he's on pace to slightly beat that sack number, but to, you know, to be far, far, far underneath the penalty total. In his first three years, 19 and a half sacks, 27 penalties. So that's what? Six and a half sacks and nine penalties per year. Now, this year he's on pace for four sacks and four penalties. So he's he's been terrific. And when you give young players a big contract extension, one of the things that you have to question is, is the player going to handle being rich? Is he going to handle having all that money? Is he going to handle not the motivation part of this? I mean, if, he, if, if you're a player who's motivated by money and you're motivated to get that second contract, to get those riches... You have to wonder, as a decision maker, how is he going to handle that? Well, clearly, I'm assuming they, they had no questions about Bakhtiari in that light anyways. But if there were any questions about how Bakhtiari would handle being very rich, I think that uh, that answer has been hammered home pretty dramatically. The most disappointing player? Quarterback Aaron Rodgers. Again, this is kind of like Bakhtiari. If Bakhtiari is the best player on, the, on your best group, then he's probably the best player on the entire unit. Rodgers is kind of personification of all the things that have gone wrong. Overall, he's 18th in completion percentage, third in touchdown percentage, third in interception percentage, and 11th in pass rating. And he's accounted for every single one of the Packers' touchdowns this year. Every one. So Rodgers hasn't been bad. But this is a lot like last year in my book, where he hasn't just risen above it all. You know, every, everyone, everybody knows the injury situation without Jordy Nelson last year. Well, I... The fault I had with Rodgers is he wasn't able to carry the team on his shoulders. And in fact, I thought his play got weighed down by the circumstances. I, you know, he's had some good games. He's had some bad games. He's had some great moments. He's had some bad moments. As the best player, I, you've got to lift the team somehow. And I thought he had against the Bears and Falcons with all those short passes. And it seemed like he had adapted his game to the circumstances around him. And I, and I just saw it last week against Atlanta. Let's say against the Colts. That just didn't happen. And the biggest thing on the offensive to-do list in my book is turning James Starks of 2016 into the James Starks of 2015. 
minus the fumbles, of course. You look last year, Starks in, in, in part-time duty, 4.1 yards per carry. He caught 43 passes and led the entire NFL in yak per catch. I mean, he had basically he had a career high in rushing yards. He had a career high in receiving yards, career high in receptions. I mean, he was he was great. Well, not great. He had the best year of his career at age 29. Well, now he's age 30, and they and they need him to rekindle some of that because God knows they're not going to sign a running back, right? This year, very limited duty, 1.8 yards per carry and 8.3 yards per catch. But since he is the running back, it's up to the Packers to, to coax that out of him so they can have something resembling balance and they can have something resembling a running package to move forward into the second half of the season. On the third down, and then is the midterm progress report for the defense. And it's sort of the opposite of the offense here, where, where offensively in Green Bay was... Um, Okay in yards, but it was pretty good in points. Well, Green Bay's defense is 7th in yards. So that's really good, but 18th in points. The good, obviously, it's the, the rushing defense. The Packers are 1st in rushing yards per game, 2nd in rushing yards per carry. It's been, you know, other than the Dallas game, it has been the strong point. I mean, it's so strong where you look at that Colts game on Sunday where you think, but the Colts are really getting something done against the Packers' run defense. And then you look at the final numbers, and Indy averaged three yards a carry. So, I mean, it's kind of where they are run defense-wise, where even, even when it seems like they're not playing great, they're actually playing very good. It's just that the bar has been set so high that anything less than, than locked-down, um, steel-curtain-tight defense is kind of beyond the norm. So they're, they're played, again, other than that Dallas game, they've been terrific every week. The bad, 20-30 in passing yards. At this point, they're on pace for the second-worst um, passing defense and, and Packers history behind only the 2011 team. The ugly, 29th in goal-to-go percentage. So when, when offenses have gotten inside that ten, got you know that first and goal, they're scoring touchdowns. And I mean those are really those key series for defense where if you can just shut the door and, and turn seven points into three, you feel like you've you made a big plank and swing momentum, and you just haven't done that. Best player. I'm going, to, I'm going to stay in the trenches, and it's Mike Daniels. I mean, again, no surprise. If the, if the D-line is your best unit, then you should pick the best D-lineman. He leads the defensive line with 20 tackles, and the defensive line has recorded two sacks, and both of those are by Daniels, and he's a team-high 12 quarterback hits. That's more than Matthews, more than Perry, more than Peppers. One of those hits, of course, was last week against the Colts, and that resulted in the first of Clinton Dix's interceptions. He's really good. I mean, he's a hell of a good player. Again, when you give a guy a big contract, essentially, like they did with Bakhtiari, you better hope that that money doesn't change him. And clearly, he has not changed Mike Daniels. He is, he is the heartbeat of the defense. He's the emotional leader. And he's the best player. The biggest disappointment? Cornerbacks Quinton Rollins and Demarius Randall. They haven't played. I mean, there's a saying that you can't make the club in the tub. I and mean, everyone's heard that one well. I don't have anything catchy here for you, but you can't make an impact if you're hurt. And, you know, Demarius Randall and, and Quentin Rollins have missed a lot of time this year. And the past defense has suffered by a, by a, as a consequence. And you know, I thought Rollins was pretty good against Indy last week in his return after he missed the last three games of the groin injury. I was kind of surprised the Colts didn't go at him more. Um, who knows? You know, when Randall gets back, you know, how long is it going to take him to shake off five, six weeks of rust? And are those guys, can those guys join the Ladarius Gunter and form a top-notch secondary by December? 
Because, I mean, you guys know how it is. I've said this a thousand times, and this is not unique thinking to me, but if you can't step opposing quarterbacks, you've got no chance come playoff time because <laughs> who are you going to play, right? You're going to play top quarterbacks. So it's going to be up to those guys to salvage their seasons, to salvage this team's playoff hopes in my book. The biggest thing to improve, well, I mean, it's right in line with that, right? It's, it's the pass defense. I got some 2015 to 2016 numbers for you. Last year, Green Bay allowed 58.3% completion percentage. This year, 63.3. So that's up 5%. Last year, 7.07 yards per attempt. This year, 7.91. So you're close, to, you're close to a yard more per passing attempt. Last year, 20 touchdowns, 16 interceptions. Kind of bordering on the 1-to-1 ratio. I mean, that's really good. This year, 14-7. to That's a 2-to-1 ratio. And you add all that up and you get pass rating. 80.1 last year and... This year, 94.3. It's about, that's you know more than 14 points difference. And pass rating has been what Green Bay has done so well for years stopping the pass. And a lot of that is because they intercepted more passes than, than anybody on God's green earth. But this has been a, a ball-hawking big play secondary. Well, well, they'll give up some plays, but they'll make more big plays. And that just hasn't happened. And again, no surprise when, when your projected top three cornerbacks are all out. I mean, Sam Shields entered this season tied with Richard Sherman for the most interceptions in the NFL since 2010. I mean, that is a lot of big playability. Demarius Randall showed big playability last year. He made some terrific interceptions. And Quentin Rollins, if he didn't drop a few interceptions, he would have been a, he'd have had probably five or six picks last year. So that's a lot of playmaking firepower on the bench, and it's no surprise that Green Bay suffered as a consequence. And so as much as Aaron Rodgers is the key to getting the Offense on track and ready for a playoff run, or at least to get you to the playoffs. It's going to be up to those corners to round in the form and, and, and get this defense back to where it needs to be. And fourth down, and that would be the special teams progress report. Last week I did my pick, report special teams rankings, and Green Bay was checked in at 18th. They're down to 22nd now. They were 16th last year. I mean, no surprise there after the, the gigantic special teams meltdowns on the kickoff coverage against Indy last week. That that really, really cost him. The best player, Mason Crosby, the kicker, kind of by default there. He's only missed two field goals. He's kicked off pretty well. Obviously, that kickoff against uh, Jordan Tobin on a 99-yard touchdown was was, was a bad kickoff, and, and the results were a nightmare. But by and large, he's had a pretty good year. The biggest disappointment, whoever's been in kickoff returners. I can't just pick one. Four guys have had that role this year. Ty Montgomery averaging 24.5, but he's out of that role because of his role in offense. Trevor Davis, 21.3 yards per return. Jeff Janet, 17.5. It's horrible. And now Davis averaged 18 during his brief Packers career. It's a disappointing area here. Last year, there were only six players in the entire league who had at least seven returns and averaged at least 29 yards per return. Only six. One of them was Ty Montgomery, which we averaged 31.1. Another was Jeff Janis at 29. It's, it's horrible. It's, it's, un, it's unbelievable that what seemed like such a strength, and, and you got strength in number. I mean, Montgomery, you got Janis, you know, Trevor Davis' speed, and, and a, some, some track record there at Cal has been that terrible. And you look at, you know, the kickoff averages, they've given up 31.8. They're averaging 22, so that's 
That's almost 10 yards, which is the equivalent of a first down per every kickoff return. And as the weather gets colder, it's going to be harder and harder to kick the ball out of the end zone. So touchbacks are going to become fewer and fewer, which is going to put the focal point on your, on your kickoff coverage and your kickoff return to make something happen. And at this point in the season, those two units are absolutely horrible. And that will do it for this episode of Locked On Packers. Be sure to check out the rest of the great Locked On Podcast Network with Locked On NFL, Locked On Fantasy, and Locked On Titans. And to check out my work over at PackerReport.com, once again, I have my very long story about whether it's time for Ted Thompson and Mike McCarthy to go. Have a great day, everybody, and I will talk to you tomorrow. Is democracy in danger or decline? Condoleezza Rice, William Galston, and Carlos Gutierrez and others take on this question in the fall edition of The Catalyst, a journal of ideas from the Bush Institute. Surveys show Americans place less trust in institutions like the media and business. Others contend America has faced far more challenging periods and emerged strong. Leading policymakers, Bush Institute experts, and respected journalists take on this debate. Read about it at bushcenter.org slash catalyst.